Hey everyone, hope you're having a great day. I'm really excited. I am here with Ben Christensen. Ben is the co-founder of Cambium Carbon and it was recognized by Forbes 30 Under 30. He's on a mission to achieve global carbon negativity by 2060. Ben, how's it going? Good, good, good. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here. Awesome, thank you. I kind of want to jump into it and want to just start by kind of like, how did you first discover that, you know, your mission around carbon negativity as a kind of a as a mission and what you're all about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been focused on addressing climate change my whole life. Um, so I've been really connected and, and seen that as a way that I can give to the world in a much bigger way. Um, was recognizing that avoided emissions, you know, reducing the amount of energy intensity, a lot of other solutions like that were getting a ton of attention and they're super important. And so I realized there's a gap um, between that and also really needing to actively be taking carbon out of the sky as well. And so started focusing on carbon removal. And, you know, part of that is um, what's led me into this work in the natural climate solution space and, and really working on trees and circular economy. Um, so that's that's how it all started and, and that's my why. Yeah, yeah I know. it's really interesting and a different kind of perspective than in terms of some of the stuff that I feel like this is a newer term and stuff that's a really For cool sure. here. Yeah, yeah. And then in terms of kind of on the entrepreneurial side and we'll get into uh, the business in terms of that kind of, did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur and start your own company and kind of, or is this something that kind of was a newer thought and yeah. Yeah. Um, yes and no. I, I have always loved teams. And I just think that the emotional dynamics that make up particularly small teams are fascinating. Um, and I've always sort of started and been growing them in a lot of different facets. So um, I haven't thought a ton about it, but it's, it's always been something that I just do and, and sort of take lead on and, and create around. So it's been great. And then um, I was in grad school, definitely had the intention to really take um, that and scale. And a big part of that is you know, a lot of, um, you know, climate solutions, and this goes back to identifying gaps and then trying to fill a gap. A lot of climate solutions um, are really focused on, you know, leveraging NGO dollars, leveraging the public sector, so government investment, and that's critical. We really, really need that. But there's also a gap in terms of creating self-sustaining financial solutions that work as a business and work scalably um, and throughout are really, really doing good. Um, so that's that's what I focused on and, um, you know, recognize that, starting a company is a great way to do that. And it's, it's been an amazing journey so far. Yeah, no, it's really cool. And especially kind of some of the stuff that you talked about in terms of like being able to make that impact right away. And um, some of the stuff there in terms of uh, Cambian Carbon, kind of how did you first have that idea? And in terms of you talked about like finding a gap and filling a solution and kind of just yep. doing that kind of like, what was it like when you first had that moment of like, oh, maybe this is something that we could address and kind of get going with it? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it was, when I was at the World Resource Institute working on federal carbon policy, and we were looking at if the federal government in the US is going to really invest in carbon removal, where do they get their most bang for their buck? Um, and one of those big solutions is trees. So restoring tree cover across the country can provide a ton of value. And there's just this really big gap between all of this investment that's coming from governments, from companies, from investment organizations, and really on the ground scalable projects that really work with communities in, in particular work for communities, you know, really helping out and putting a people-centric lens on it. I was like, wow, there's this massive gap and there's all this money that's going to be only getting bigger over the next 10 years as climate change gets worse and worse and we start to feel it more and more. And we really need scalable solutions that can connect those dots. And so I identified that and I was lucky enough to have a really amazing mentor who was super proactive and, and helped uh, me get that off the ground and uh, really believed in it early on when it was nothing more than an idea. And that's that's what really made it uh, made it work. 
Yeah, and it kind of in those early days, you kind of talk about when it was like just an idea and kind of yep. what were some of those moments of whether it's like one particular story or a couple that kind of either really helped kind of get through those times where it's like, is this going to get through or like kind of whether it was good or bad of kind of some of the stories from that that, that time? Yeah, I think there's two big ones for me. One is, you know, really early on, I got so many no's from people. And one of the best pieces of advice I got was talk to everybody about your idea um, because it's only going to make it better. Um, so I talked to a lot of people about it. And the other thing I added in there was always include a little bit of an ask. So if you're talking to a friend, ask for feedback. Or if you're talking to somebody like ask what would need to be true for them to invest or to participate. And doing that helped me really start to refine a lot of that work. And I don't come from a business background. I don't come from an entrepreneurial background. I really come from a, a climate science and an environmental science background. And so it took me a long time just to get literate in like most of the business startup um, type terms and really putting myself in a lot of conversations there was really, really helpful. So that was one. And then I'd, I'd say the second one is, um, you know, we got just a little bit of support um, from Sci City at, at Yale initially um, in one of their initial sort of climate stage innovation seed grants and just getting like a super small um, startup prize at that stage helps that idea get a little bit of traction and put, you know, a little bit more behind it. It allowed us to spend it um, in a really tactical way initially. And, um, you know, it's, it helped us grow. So um, those early wins are, are huge because uh, it's definitely a hard and lonely process, especially at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you said there about including a little bit of an ask because yep. one of the big things I always find is um, without asking, there's no chance for something, but it's so hard, especially um, sometimes it's so hard to like, have that conversation for me to feel comfortable. But um, when I do, I always feel like, all right, at least I asked and uh, learned something from it. Um, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that you mentioned kind of like not necessarily having like that business background in terms of coming from more yep. of the climate side, like was, was it stuff that in terms of learning it while you were going, what were some of the challenges there or kind of like, how did you learn some of the more technical side of things as the company has been growing kind of work through that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of it goes back to what you just said, which is getting good at just asking. Um, but part of asking and asking well is two things. One is having a network of people who you can ask from. And two is really getting good at knowing what you need to ask for help on. And so I think that's something that I've spent a lot of time really focusing on. And to me, you know, being a CEO and a leader is about really being a full individual. So it, it matters um, how I'm doing in my personal life. That really plays out in how I am as a leader. And so a great way to understand and learn more about who you are is to have a therapist. I've got an amazing therapist, had an amazing journey um, in that learning and really augmenting and refining the tools and the instrumentation to know what my gaps are. And that's become really, really important as our team grows is when I have a gap and I have, you know, something that I need to learn, I can either find somebody to help me learn it, or I can find somebody who can help lead it and can help, you know, translate that information into something that I can be literate in and then make decisions off of. So I would say that's been something that's been really catalytic there. Yeah, it's awesome to hear kind of how people centric, it sounds like the whole approach is in a way, whether it's sure. like teams, like, like part, whether it's kind of the individual and kind of talking about like the therapy, the mental health side of things and kind of like the holistic picture of everything, because everything is connected there. Um, and I guess in terms of the team itself, and kind of is that something that's like a conscious thought that you have as companies grow and kind of bring people in and like thinking about the dynamics of the team and who's going to be working on what? Or is it more of like a, as things are happening, kind of seeing, oh, you know, we have a new project, let's see who's going to kind of take it on and kind of see as it develops? Or is it kind of like, are you more of like a planning 
for the next year now type of person or more mm. like a, as things go see what happens type that makes sense yeah it does i mean i try to try to walk both lines right it's good to have a strategy and it's also important to recognize that your plan is always going to change and it's going to be wrong especially with how quickly things happen and turnover within the startup world in terms of thinking about the teams, I mean, it's something I obsess over. I mean, I just find it so fascinating um, thinking about how do you create the right type of incentives, both you know monetarily, but in particularly emotionally, to bring people to their best um, and to really commit them um, to a much bigger purpose for a really long time. And so that's something we think about all the time. And a big part of that, and, and this is not new, um, but I think is something that is growing in a lot of organizations and is a really exciting trend, is aligning purpose and really sort of deep existential wise with your every day. And that's something that we really focus on and, and really are creating a culture around is we only hire people who really believe in what we're doing and believe that the role that they're going into really can help them level up, can help them scale and can help them grow. And so that's that's a huge part of, of what we look for and, and who we want. Um, and it's been awesome. And we really believe that we're building a team that is going to be, you know, with Cambium for a really, really long time um, because there's so much value to be unlocked for them as individuals and, and for us as a team in our sort of collective journey. So that's how we approach it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome to hear. And definitely in terms of the mission first kind of approach to things. And one of the things I noticed when I was looking at your website in terms of the core values and kind of having that so present there on the set, I guess kind of how did you work through kind of creating those and kind of what was that process like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things that's really important is we believe everybody who comes on to our team is responsible for growing culture. Um, so our core values are consistently growing um, and also like are really sort of built in um, some core premises. So we we define those, um, you know, as an early co-founding team, um, really spent a lot of time thinking about exactly how we want to frame them and, and how do we want to position them. And, you know, it's been really important. And I think this is something that is critical when you're building culture, when you're thinking about creating identity within a team is having core values that are simple, that are accessible, and that everybody knows and, and can be built off of because that common language um, becomes really, really critical when you have to do the much harder work of making your cultural values actually come and manifest manifest every day because it's way harder to do that it's much harder when you're like you know you're lost in a project and you know everybody's focused on that to be like oh let's zoom out and talk about our core values and so making it really simple and easy is, is really critical yeah it's definitely really true in terms of like kind of the balance of the big picture with the day-to-day -day of okay we need to work on this and it's a little bit stressful but yeah same time you know yeah so that's really really true um one kind of more specific maybe more like detail question oh, that I also saw on the website, which I was shocked to see, but really want to learn more about was the fact that more trees fall in cities than in national forests. Um, how, I guess, one, how does that happen? And two, like, I was just shocked. I just, yeah, it's crazy. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's sort of two things there. So it's it's more harvestable wood falls in U.S. cities than national forests every year, and a large part of that is you know cities and the urban areas are really big. Like there's a lot of them, and they're growing really quickly. And part of that expansion of our urban centers means that we are removing more trees than we ever have in the past. And so that's a really big driver of you know why there's more and more trees coming down. And then the second thing too is it's hard to be a tree in a city. You know, like in a forest, you know you're relatively supported. 
planted. That's where they're meant to be. In a city, there's a lot more stress on trees, whether it's, you know, air quality, water quality, you know, getting hit with a weed whacker, all of that is there. Um, so you also see trees that, you know, have a higher mortality rate uh, in, in cities, especially um, younger trees. So that's the really big driver. And, you know, the big thing for us is that there's this amazing opportunity to take all of that waste and turn it into a really, really big high value commodity that drives local economic development. And that's what's so exciting. It's like, instead of getting our wood from really far away, we have to ship it really far. We have to cut down a tree in a forest. We could get it locally and we could get a lot of it locally from a waste that's coming down already. So it's, we're not adding any new harvesting at all. And you're just taking that and instead of sending it to landfill or instead of, you know, chipping it up, you're turning it into flooring or a table. And, you know, that's all really local, which drives local jobs and is this amazing circular story that puts some more soul back in our products, you know, instead of just like having a table from nowhere, it's a table from, you know, the tree that is, was outside your house that you grew up climbing on, you know, something really amazing there is, is possible with this. So that's what gets us excited is about connecting all those different dots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess I'm thinking like personally living in New York City and Manhattan, where yeah. you see a ton of trees. And I think about it like I don't think they lived that long here, which is a really sad thing to think about. And the fact that um, as in terms of like the circular story, in terms of like what happens to the trees after that, um, with the work that you're doing, is that something kind of like when you're going and having these conversations and trying to figure out kind of like what's the best use of the tree and kind of what are some of the uh, kind of the challenges with some of those whether it's working within different cities or kind sure. of like some stories, there are some of the really good things that are starting to happen and like the successes with the kind of working at different shops and like the fun products that it does become and like those things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been so lucky to really be standing on the shoulders of giants in lots of ways. Um, so people have been working on this problem for a really long time. Um, so in lots of different cities, um, but it's never really been scaled um, or connected nationally in a sort of fully, you know, dynamic way. And, you know, a big part of what we're really trying to do is, is add more resources into the system. So when you think about why cambium is called cambium, it's because cambium layer of a tree grows outward. So if you think about a tree ring, it's actually the growth layer outward. And it's also the connector. So it's how, you know, nutrients and water exchanges between the roots and the leaves. So we grow and we connect, we connect across scales. Um, so we really work within cities, um, you know, with the cities themselves um, to help solve problems like data. Like it's just really hard to have good data on what trees are going down to help solve problems on like, what is the economic case for actually saving this? How much are we spending on it? You know, the city like Philadelphia could save around $4 million a year just from eliminating sort of wood waste disposal costs. That's a huge line item savings. And doing that can then enable a lot of, you know, local economy and reinvestment in new trees. So we do that with cities. We also then work with suppliers. So the people who actually can capture that wood you know, local mill shops and secondary wood processors to help them grow so that they can take in more of that supply. So we have a software platform that works with them um, that really helps manage their inventory and optimize their business. And then the last piece of that is we help really bring in new buyers into the space. So we work with national retailers who have never been able to access the source before and connect them into it through our sort of broader supply network. And so that's one of the big things that's really exciting is we're able to optimize and connect all of those different features together and, you know, really grow this and scale it. And it's amazing to work with such a diverse set of stakeholders and, and to provide so much value there. Yeah, that sounds really exciting and dynamic too, in terms of like the different types of conversations and the focus areas and how to optimize all of them and kind of align those incentives seems really cool. And I love the Cambium name and the, the meaning behind it. Was yep. that something that was like, uh, okay, how do we come up with the name? Or was it like once that clicked, like it was, this is it and we know. 
It was both. I mean, coming up with the name that is like not taken is, is hard. Um, and we spent a lot of time, like several months just sort of like hitting our heads against the wall, trying to find something. And then we like had it and we we're like, oh yes, hundred percent. This works. Like we're good to go. Um, and it, it was pretty obvious there. Um, but it definitely took us a while to get there. But as soon as we did, we were like, Cambium, that makes so much sense. That totally fits with what we want to build. Um, so it's been great. You know, it's a name that's really, really aligned with what we believe in. And, um, you know, sometimes it's a little, little bit of an unfamiliar word for folks. Uh, but I think that's also good because it's it's differentiating. And, and it also is something for people to learn about and, and learn about trees. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it's cool. It, it, one, it creates a great question for some follow-up and get, gets explained. Yep. It has to do with trees, I feel like, is, is extra, extra adds some nice uh, elements there. Yeah, in terms of kind of like sustainability, and I feel like that's something that is becoming more and more of an urgent issue, obviously, as the climate is unfortunately doing worse yep. and worse. Um, have you noticed over kind of going back before um, Cambium in terms of like your overall education and kind of your start mm -hmm. within learning about kind of climate and that sort of things kind of like how have you seen the like, overall the space change in terms of like I, from an outside perspective thinking that it is more talked about but like how have you seen it um either from the academic perspective and or now obviously from like the business lens too yeah, absolutely i mean i think it's it's been dramatic um i think it is still has a long way to go um before it is where it needs to be in terms of the education the scale and how integrated it is into you know our our thinking within academia and also our thinking within industry and within the public sector, because that's the thing about climate change is it's cross-cutting. It's a part of every single thing that we do and adapting to what's coming and also trying to mitigate what's coming is critical across every single sector and every single business and every single government. And so we need to see more of it. But that said, I mean, it's, it's changed dramatically. Like when I was in undergrad, um, you know, which was not that long ago. I, I graduated in 2018. Um, you know, it it was really not talked about. Um, certainly, carbon removal was not talked about at scale. Um, we definitely had some climate science classes, but it was not like talked about in this sort of really actionable way. And I think really in the last um, you know three to five years, there's been this real flourishing of really optimistic um, solutions and solutions that are uh, more financially viable and can really put people first. And that's across the technology and then also into the natural climate space, which we really play in. And I think that's really, really exciting. Um, so seeing that grow and change has, has been great. Um, I would also say it's been frustratingly slow, um, you know, our, our sort of government and, and public sector progress on this, but there's also been amazing strides made, particularly at the city and then um, also at the state level um, to really move us forward there. And we're optimistic that there'll be some more ambitious climate um, policy coming out in, you know, in the next few weeks here as well. Yeah. yeah. And I guess kind of a uh, kind of follow-up question there in terms of how do you handle some of the stuff that is or isn't in your control in terms of when working with the public sector where things obviously are out of your control in a lot of ways and things may change every couple of years and stuff like that kind of how do you balance that or things that might think will happen and then don't happen or kind of like kind of how do you handle challenges there or the frustrations with that yeah um i would say twofold one is you know staying really committed um so part of working with that is 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 really understanding that, look, there is a slow moving beast in a lot of, um, you know, bureaucratic processes. And also there are amazing people in it. Um, so if you can help unlock and support them and recognize the limiting factors that they're really up against, um, 
you can do a lot of work, but it also requires a good bit of patience. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's what we really stay committed to um, in terms of, you know, helping this scale and, and really moving that forward. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's really interesting to think about there. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, two more questions in terms of uh, kind of when you talk about scale, what, what would you say is like your grand vision in terms of like ultimate, um, whether we're talking about um, cambium specifically or bigger picture in terms of like the um, climate and carbon negativity and carbon removal? Yeah, so for cambium, I mean, we want to be the circular economy platform across every material type, not wood um, across every city in the world. Um, so making it show that any waste in the city can be processed locally, turned into high value products, and then really, you know, sold locally. And then some of those profits, a significant amount of those profits are being reinvested in local climate solutions. And so that's our big vision. And we really want to grow and scale, um, you know, zooming out um, sort of to a, a worldview we have to get to a point where we're at carbon neutrality um, and we have to really now, and this is something that I'm really pushing, I've got a TED talk coming out on this um, in the next few weeks, is that we have to be thinking beyond that. We have to be thinking way beyond that. We have to be thinking about solutions that are not just linear, but are exponential. Um, because if you think about how climate change works, it's an exponential problem because you have all of these positive feedback loops. So you know, if we put out a, you know, a kilogram of CO2 in the atmosphere today, we don't just get the impacts and the warming impacts of just those particles. We get the warming impacts of all of the other sort of cascading feedback loops that come from that. And so we're really fighting an exponential problem with a linear solution right now. And we need to be thinking about how can we create solutions that are also exponential, that naturally scale across sectors and scales across people. And so I really would love to see the private sector get a lot more ambitious with that. So big corporates um, starting to say carbon neutrality is not anywhere near what we need to do. We need to be way further. I would love to see a lot of innovators creating their businesses that are one-to-one -one and then ultimately exponentially good. So as they get bigger, they are better for the world. And then I'd really love to see the investment space as well as the public sector help create the enabling conditions for those businesses. So you know, creating uh, the correct pricing around carbon and then also really investing in solutions that are going to scale and, and helping those those get off the ground, I think is going to be critical. And, um, you know, globally, we really need to get to carbon negativity as soon as we can. And that's going to require a ton of effort, a ton of coordination and, and a ton of sort of cross-sectoral engagement. And I think we could do it. Um, we just have to stay optimistic and committed and really, really um, push ourselves to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like the urgency is really, really it's huge there with it. Um, yeah, and I guess you mentioned the TED talk It's kind of like a quick uh, summary or a quick, quick, uh, quick little tidbit from it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the sort of the core premise of it is that we really have to be, again, getting to these positive, positive feedback loops. So a, a positive feedback loop is anything that gets more, more magnified as it grows. So it makes bad things worse and good things better. And so, you know, a bad thing that gets worse is you look at, you know, our planet warms and melts polar ice caps, which reduces the energy reflected off of them, which increases the warming, which increases their melting, which reduces, and it's it's this sort of cascading, never-ending cycle. It's it's like compound interest, except it's killing us. And so we really need to be thinking about solutions that are not just, all right, I'm creating a business that's good, but I'm creating a business that's good and has these exponentially good um, opportunities as well. So you're creating positive, positive feedback loops. So you know, you're taking some of your profits and you're investing in other companies that are going to be, you know, really growing that, or you're creating supply chain mandates where 
everyone down your supply chain has to be, you know, carbon negative. And then every one of their suppliers has to be carbon negative. And like you start creating those types of mandates and they're really hard and we, we don't have the infrastructure to do that yet. But as we start to push towards that, that's the kind of stuff that can really scale. So taking these sort of thinking from these big tech companies that have led them to scale really, really quickly. And can we apply that to addressing the climate change um, crisis in that same sort of really quick exponential manner? Yeah, yeah well, can't wait, can't wait to watch it uh, once it's out. And then last question really quickly, um, if you could go back and talk to yourself on your first day of college uh, mm. a couple of years ago, kind of what advice would you give yourself? It's a great question. Um, I would say eat a few uh, less burritos from the dining hall freshman year, you know, <laughs> cut down on that. Um, I think that the one of the experiences I had and I've felt with a lot of my friends and I see in a lot of um, young folks who are entering into college is, is feeling as if there is so much pressure um, on those moments and those experiences. And some of that is good and some of that is right because there is a lot of sort of defining moments that come during those years. But I think taking a little bit of a more macroscopic view and saying, all right, you've got four years to ask a lot of really, really good questions. And most importantly, to focus on the process rather than the immediate outcomes. And so what I mean by that is, you know, I would have told myself to focus more on like, how do I build really good learning habits? How do I build really good lifestyle habits? You know, it's something I have not really cracked a nut on until the last few years, like learn how to like cook and feed yourself in a really healthy way that is consistent and sustainable in a time constrained schedule, you know, doing that really well, then unlock so much more time to do all these other things and you're healthier and you're happier. And, you know, thinking about mindfulness, learning about that. I mentioned therapy earlier, you know, creating the processes and really obsessing over that versus like, oh, I've got this test on, you know, in, in two weeks, like that's not what's important. What's important is, all right, this is an opportunity for me to test and level up my processes on how I study, on how I learn, and how I take care of myself under stress. And so I would just say that's that's what I would really focus on is process over performance. Um, and I think that's that's really important. Yeah, it's a great perspective to have on it. Um, and it's very funny thing about all the different exams were, that are so stressful, but then it's like, sure. okay, exam happens, it's over. Yep. Exactly. But one compared to think about like if I thought of every exam as part of the process and studying for it is a process compared to each individual one. Um, 100%. Yeah. Well, and that's and the thing with that, right, is you're you would probably do worse on your first few because you're just focused on the process, but you get that process down and you really refine it. And then you're able to start doing way, way better. And it's, it's a long term solution instead of, you know, always just focused on sort of the next um, short term. Yeah, yeah uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today and really appreciate it, Ben. Yeah, thanks so much, Robert. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, great to connect.